This year is dedicated to Ilu Nishmat Rivka Rochel Bat Zechariah. We're beginning here on the top of Mem Gimel off by the two dots. The Gemara here is discussing the line in the Mishnah that we saw yesterday, which is Hayu Yoshvim Kol Echad Mevarech Latzmo. When they are seated at the table or around the table, then each person makes their own bracha because they're not considered to be a single group for bracha. Hasebu, if they have a seba, that's considered to be a kviyut, establishing of a unity amongst the people that are there. And therefore, echad mevarech l'kulam. Now the Gemara is going to discuss that issue. Hasebu echad mevarech. Amarav, lo shanu That's only true by bread, the by seba. In order to create that unity, you require a seba. Avayayin lo seba. When it comes to wine, it do not require a seba in order to join the participants together. Rabbi Yochanan says that he doesn't see any difference between pat and yayin. In order to create a unity amongst the participants, you need heseba. And we know that Rav Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan, Igedamre, others have a different nuance in this machloka between them, which is Amarav lo shanuel pat. Hasebo only works to join the people together for a pot, for bread. Even if you have Hasebo for wine, it doesn't help out. Rabbi Yochanan says, even for wine, Hasebo works to join the participants to allow them to make a single brocha for everyone that is there. We have a question from the Tosefta. How does Hasebo work? This Tosefta is in Perak Dawad Abrachot. It's a very, very interesting Tosefta because without this Tosefta, it's very hard to understand the practices that we have on the night of the Seder. Once you've read this Tosefta, you know why our practices on the night of the Seder are the way they are because it was mimicking the eating of royalty or the higher classes in that time. And that is what's described here in the Tosefta. Ketzer Seder Haseba. What is the proper etiquette for a meal? Orchim nichnasim biyoshvim algebe safsalim. The guests come in and they sit down on the benches. Ve'algabe katedrot. Or on the stools. On chairs. Achi kansu kulam. Until everybody gathers together. Meaning they have an ante room in which all the guests gather before they enter in for the meal. Heviulahem maim. They bring them water at that point. They wash a single hand, and then they bring them wine. The question is, why do they wash a single hand in order to have a bracha yayin? Tosafot says it's because of the kavod habrocha. They wash that hand that is really holding the wine, and he says it's not similar to the washing that we do for the vegetables on the night of Pesach, or that people did for the tuma that comes from liquids that are found on vegetables. Rashi says. The reason that they washed the one hand was the kabel bakos shushotel lifnei amazon. In order to accept in it the kos that they were going to drink before the mazon. Now it's not clear if this is an issue of cleanliness or there's some sort of religious side to the washing of that single hand. Every person makes their own brocha in this case. Alu vehesebu. Then they go in, they enter into the meal room and everybody it does a seba, it lays down on their side. And then they bring water again. Even though each one of them had already washed a single hand beforehand, you wash again, but this time both hands. This is for the meal. Now again, they brought them wine. Even though in the ante room, everybody had made their own bracha on the wine, again, they have to make a second bracha, 
And one person can make a bracha for everyone that is found there. As Tosavah points out, Tosavah says the reason they have to make a new bracha is because they have a shinu makom, they change locations. And in changing locations, the first bracha on the wine does not cover the wine that is in the second room, in the eating room. Rashi says the reason you have to make another bracha is because Enarishon Karoi Lifnea Mazon. We saw before in our Mishnah that if you make a bracha on the Yain Lifnea Mazon, Pulterata Yain Shibitocha Mazon. So why doesn't that happen here? He says because this yayin that is before the mazon is before before the mazon. The wine they're going to drink that we bring in the second part of this, the seifa of the braita or the tosefta, says that that was the drink or wine before the meal. This wine is the pre-appetizer wine, and that wine does not classify as being lifnei mazon because it's not bikom suda. It's not in the place where you're going to eat. You're not going to eat in the ante room. You're going to eat in the dining room, and therefore until you're brought into the dining room, the bracha on the yayin does not impact things that are in the meal. Tomorrow says, based on the Tosefta, according to the Lashon, the Rav said, you only require a seba for a pot. But Yain does not require a seba. The beginning of the Tosefta is problematic for that Memra. Because there it says, Every person makes their own brach on the wine, presumably because they are not being received. They're not laying down. But had they been, they would have been able to make a bracha. So you see that does impact. The Gemara says, no, maybe. Maybe if they were doing Haseba, it wouldn't have mattered over there. It doesn't matter about Haseba, it doesn't matter about anything, because Orchim, the guests, have a different status. As Rashi explains over here, that the Derech Balei Batim Ashirim, the wealthy owners, to these elaborate meals that had a whole protocol of etiquette, they used to invite poor people. And that's why they're called guests. Guests in the sense that they were not friends or family of the owner, but rather outsiders that he brought in in order to do tzedakah and help them out and have them join his meal. And since these individuals who came there are not going to stay in the place that they are, even if they're massive in that location, that's not where they're going to stay. They know they're going to move to another room afterwards. And since this is just the gathering room, the anteroom beforehand, where people are getting together, there really is no kviut in that room in order for one person to make a bracha for others, and they're also entering at different times. Therefore, each person makes their own bracha. According to the Lashon, it says, Seba only helps by a pot. But if you do a seba, it does not help for yayin, meaning one person cannot make a bracha for everyone else. So Kashio Seifa, the latter half of the bright or the Tosefta is problematic for that Lashon, because there it says, Echad Mevarech Lukulam. Once they've entered into the dining room, they do make one bracha for everyone. So Gemara says, Shiny Autumn, Demigo, Debahanyule, Haseba, the Pat, Behanyule, Haseba, the Yayin. Over there, they're going to begin the meal. The Haseba works in order to have one person make a bracha on the pot for everyone else. And so Migo, that it works for the pot, it also will work for the Yayin. But if it was standalone, the yain, that would not be the case. El Gemara continues. Balahem yain mitocha mazon. Our Mishnah says, if they get wine during the middle of the meal, kol echad v'chad mevrech le'atzmo, every person has to make their own bracha. Shalue ben zoma, mipnei ma'am rubahem yain mitocha mazon, kol echad v'chad mevrech le'atzmo. Why is it in our Mishnah that it says, if you get wine in the middle of the meal, everybody makes their own bracha? Yet, achar mazon echad mevrech le'atzmo. After the meal, one person makes a bracha for everyone. So, Balahem, I'll tell you what the difference is. Their mouths, their throats are not available. They are full. People are swallowing food. They're busy eating and focusing on the swallowing of the food. And therefore, if one person would make a bracha for everyone else, they would have to answer amen while they have food in their mouth, while they are eating, 
which would be inappropriate. And in addition, the risk or the choking hazard. So therefore, you have a problem. Rashi says, They're not paying attention, which is a third possibility. One possibility is that they don't have the availability to say Amen. The other possibility is that it's dangerous. And the last one is that, as Rashi points out, they're not going to be focused on listening to the brachat miyotza. They're focused on eating. And they're distracted. So therefore, they can't, don't make a single bracha for everyone else. Tosafot here has some unbelievably interesting halachot. The first one is, the preface that we have before we make the boy priyagofen in Kiddush and other times is, Savri Maranan. And Tosafot says, maybe in the meal, if you use that call of Savri Maranan, which says, everybody pay attention, I'm about to make a bracha, maybe that would suffice. And even in the middle of the meal, you could have one make a bracha for all of them, as long as he prefaced it with this statement of Savri Maranan, so everybody know to get ready in order to answer to the bracha. But Tosafot says, V'ein yira the Rabbeinu Elchanan. Rabbeinu Elchanan says he does not believe that is true. The gavin shetiknu chachamim shirech kol echad v'echad v'yatzmo, ein yotzeh klal b'brikat chavero. Chachamim forfeited your right to have such a situation in the middle of the meal. They took away your right to make a bracha that will be motzi others, even in a situation where everybody's paying attention and nobody's eating at this time, it still will not work. It's a blanket gzeirah that nobody should make a bracha for their friend in the middle of the meal. And then Tosafot drops the bomb at the end of this Tosafot here. It is the premise for a very powerful tshuva from Rav Moshe. And that is, We have to look into our havdolah. We make havdolah while people are standing around. How can we mote the other people from Yain Abdallah? We have no kviut between us. Now, Tosavot already said this on the Mishnah, and I mentioned at the time that we're going to get to this again, that our yeshiva, our sitting down, is the equivalent of their heseba, to sit around a table, to be in the chairs at the table. That is the equivalent of what they did by heseba. So Tosavot says, I understand if they were Yoshev, it would work. But that's not the case. People stand for Havdalah. Shema Yishlomar. So he says, maybe you have to say, Mitoch Since they're bringing themselves there only for the purpose of hearing Havdalah, that has a certain amount of Kaviyut. Therefore it affects everything and creates a Kaviyut for even for the Yayin and the Birkat Havdalah. And then Tosvan says in the end, Na'eh. It is preferable, it is better to sit down for Abdullah. That is both the one who is Mavdil, the one who is making the bracha of Abdullah, as well as those that are listening to Abdullah, they should sit down. And that is the preferable practice according to Tosafot. Moshe, in a very early series of Tchumin, wrote about standing and sitting for Giddish and Abdullah. And over there, Rav Moshe says that there's really no source for standing during Kiddush or Abdullah. And you see from this Tosafot, it's actually the opposite. It's much more preferable to sit down for Kiddush and Abdullah, especially since one of the requirements of Kiddush is Kiddush b'makom Seuda. has to be a Kiddush in the place of a Seuda. How do you make it a place of Seuda? It's to be Koveya, that you all sit down together, you make it a makom Seuda. And therefore it becomes a Kiddush b'makom Seuda. And based on that, Ramosha says, when it comes to Abdullah, one should sit down. When it comes to Kiddush and Yom Tov, one should sit down. When it comes to Abdullah and Yom Tov, one should sit down. When it comes to Kiddush on Friday night, they should sit down. The two things that he says might have some mikor is Kiddush on Friday night, which is the standing up for the Yehudu, which is also premised on the idea of a greeting, the Shabbat Malkah that's coming in. 
And the same might be true by Abdullah. He says it's not as strong a theme by Abdullah, but the same thing might be true in Abdullah of Malava Malko, that we are accompanying the Queen of Shabbat out, and therefore it might be appropriate to stand. But that he says is a limut And then he says an amazing thing. He says, what happens if someone has the minog to stand up for Kiddush? On the night of Yom Tov, on the day of Yom Tov, Rav Moshe says that he shouldn't continue that minog, that he should practice the locha properly. Ah, uh, what about the fact that minog avotehem biyadehem? They have the minog of their forefathers with them. Rav Moshe says that minog only applies when it's correct, when it's halakhically appropriate. But if someone has a minog that is incorrect, that's called a minog ta'ut. And a minog ta'ut has no impact, and therefore a person is not bound by that, and should not be bound by that. They should rectify it and do the right thing. And so therefore, Moshe is very mockery. He says, by the night of Yom Tov and the day of Yom Tov, there is no reason to stand. You don't have, like by Shabbat, the greeting of the Shabbat, and by Yehudu, that doesn't exist in Yom Tov. And there he says, for sure you should have to sit in Kiddush, night and day, Abdullah, and on Yom Tov. On Shabbat, he thinks the same thing, but he gives a dispensation with regards to Friday night because of Ayyahulu, and on Motzei Shabbat because of Malava Malka, but obviously Kiddush during the day on Shabbat, he again says one should sit down. And despite the fact that someone has a minog from their parents to stand up, he says it's a minog to'ot. And since it's a minog to'ot, person should change it and do the right thing. With the exception of Friday night, and possibly Abdullah on Motzei Shabbat. Comes out of this Tosfot right here, it says that it's very clear we should be sitting for Abdullah in order to have Kviyot, so that one person can make a bracha for everyone that is there. And there are definitely benefits to that. When people sit down, they listen, they pay attention, instead of floating around, walking around, standing around. That presents from both perspectives, friends of Kviyot in terms of unity of the group, but also creates an environment in which people are part of the Abdullah, or the Kiddush. The Mishnah concluded that the one who makes the bracha on the Yain Achara Suda also gets to make the bracha on the Mugmar. The fact that the Mishnah came out and says proper etiquette is for the one who made the bracha on the wine at the end to make the bracha on the Mugmar, the incense, afterwards, there is a possibility that someone should have precedence over him. So why is he granted the right to make the bracha despite the fact that there's someone else greater than him at the meal that should be making the bracha? Because this person washed first for my Machronim, he is the one who is entitled to make the bracha. So there is a certain amount of etiquette that would say the person who washed my Machronim first now becomes the primary figure in the meal. He's the one who's going to bench. He also make the bracha on the Mugmar. Along comes the Mishnah and says that that right is granted to the one who made the bracha Yayin. He finishes off the mitzvah and benches. He does the brick out of Mazon and then continues on to finish off with the bracha on the Mugmar. This helps the position or supports that position of Rav. The person who washes first by my machronim, who mezum on the bracha, he's the one who will make the bracha, will do the zimun and make the birkat mazon, because the fact that he washed first is indicative that he's the one who's chosen to do that. Rav Rabichia, Rav was with his uncle Rabichia together. They were eating before Rabbi Sudoto Emil. Remember Rav in his early years when he was young, weren't in Rabbi's academy. And he was known as a superstar then. Rabbi Yochanan in the Gemara, recall how they used to know this guy Rav, who was a superstar in Rabbi Shir. Later Rav came to Bavel, where he becomes a prominent figure, a leader in the Babylonian community. And that's the Rav that we know, that's quoted all over Shas. But in the early years, he was in Eretz Yisrael, together with his uncle Rabbi Chiyah, and now they're eating in front of Rabbi. Amalei Rabbi the Rav, kum Rabbi signals over to Rav that he should get up and wash his hands. 
Chazidavim mirtat. His uncle Rabbi Chia, he saw that he was trembling, he was fear. Why did Rabbi tell me to wash my hands? Did he see me do something wrong? Am I eating too much? He thought it was something that he was doing that was inappropriate, and then Rabbi was trying to signal it to him by telling him to go wash his hands. Hey, Rabbi Chia, says, you, Barpachte is Bar Gidolim, the son of great ones, meaning that you're a Talmud Chochom. Ayin Biberchat Mizona Kamerloch. When he said to wash your hands, it means, I'm giving you permission to bench for us, to lead the benching. Doesn't mean that he found something wrong with you. That's the way that you indicate that this person is the one designated to make Birchat Amazon. From what point do you make a bracha on smells? When it smoke starts to rise from the incense, that's the time that it's considered to be a smell that you can make a bracha over. How can you make a bracha on it? You didn't smell it yet. How do you make a bracha on it? You didn't eat anything yet. That he intends to eat. Intention to eat is enough to say you must make a bracha rishonah. So to over here, he says that he had in mind to to smell. And that's enough to say you should make a bracha before you do smell. Omugmar gets a bracha of bore because it comes from some sort of vegetation or tree. except or the exception rule is musk shemin because that comes from an animal, not from trees, wood, or branches. and therefore the bracha on it will be bore because it can't say bore It's not coming from an eitz. It's coming from an animal. Therefore the proper bracha will be bore the only thing you make a bracha is balsam trees. Those are Beit Rabbi, who is very wealthy, or the Beit Kezar. These are very wealthy, aristocratic, high-class individuals, and therefore they had these expensive balsam trees. Now, any balsam tree would require the bracha, just not found everywhere because of the nature of the tree to be so expensive, it was only found in these unique places. And on that you make Boreat Sebisamim, as well as on and Myrtle anywhere. But what you see from this is that that's not the standard bracha. Boreat Sebisamim is only used in these very specific times. Otherwise, you would not make the bracha Boreat Sebisamim. Do you have to, this is a very strong question against that previous statement. This balsam oil, what bracha do you make on it? The one who created the oil from our land. I don't want to hear what Rabbi Yudah said about this because he was in love with Eretz Yisrael. So in the Mesechta, Back on Bet, with the story of Rabbi Abba who was trying to run away from Rabbi Yehuda, because Rabbi Yehuda believes Bavel Yisrael over He thought it was inappropriate to go from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael, but that didn't in any way diminish his love for Eretz Yisrael and his feelings towards Eretz Yisrael, even though he felt it might be restricted from going to Eretz Yisrael. So therefore, Rabbi Yehuda's bracha specifically engaged in Shevach Eretz Yisrael. And the reason Rabbi Yehuda said Borei Shemin Artsenu, that's grown in our land, Rashi says something amazing here. Shegadel Yericho, grown in Yericho, Vashem Shereach Haitani Kret Yericho. And the name Yericho comes from the shores Reach, from the smell. Oof. 
Fanag Hamur b'sefer Yechezkel, and then he says Kach Rayiti b'sefer Yosef Ben Gurion. Rashi claims, what's the source for this information that he has? He saw it in the book of Yosef Ben Gurion. We may know better to people as Josephus. Rashi read Josephus. That's how he knew that. Says about the Kuliyam Other people don't have that deep seated connection and that closeness there to say what bracha do they make? That says that one who created the pleasing shemen. This fragrant root or putchuk or custom. From the word kavush, lo. Zaji points out, mishka kavisha means oil that was soaked in an item that gave it some sort of aroma, so it imparted to it some sort of smell or aroma. As he says, shemen shebotamuna kusht. The kusht is inside of this oil. The oil absorbs the smell from the perfume that it's in. And therefore, the question here is, do you focus on the oil, or do you focus on what's giving the smell to the oil? Even here, where the wood is imparting the fragrance to the oil, nevertheless, you still make the bracha, because that is the ikar, or the primary reason why there is any aroma or fragrance to this shaman. If he takes the incense or whatever it is and grinds it up and then puts it in the oil, even if it is ground down and put in the oil, then you still make a bracha, you still see the etzim as the source for that which, the fragrant odor that's coming out of the oil now. This samlik, as Rashi says, yasmin, jasmine, korin lo, in Arabic, it's called jasmine. These rushes are reeds of the sea. Rashi says they are called ashpig. She bullet neared, mentioned as the ingredients of the ketoret. What's the postdoc that shows that that is true? That this is classified as an eight to say the brach of boreat sebisamim on it. So the Gemara says because this Chilfediyama have similar properties to Pishtan. They look like the stalks of flax. And therefore they bring a proof from the Pasuk about Pishtan that it's also called Eitz. Vehi el gaga. protects the two spies sent by Yeshua. And she hides them up on the roof. Vatit menem. hides them on the roof and places them under the flax. And when it talks about the flax it calls it an Eitz. So we see that there is this concept that stalks are called an Eitz. You can make a bracha boreat say bisamim on these items. Amar of Mesharshia, Hai narkum de gunanita. Rashi quotes the Bahaga saying it's Chavatzelat Sharon, which is a lily. Dugunaita means Hagadel Beginah, that grows in the garden. The other possibility of what this narcom is, is it's Narcissus, or a white daffodil. So if it's the garden variety of this species, then Mevarkin Alei Boreat Sebisamim. The Dabra, that which is grown in the wild, Borei Izvebisamim. This sigle, which is the root of the cypress, rotanidas, or violets. There you definitely make a bracha boreas vebisamim. And you can see in Rashi that he says that the sigle is violets. What's difficult about this is that Rashi and Chumash, in trying to describe what the dudaim are that Ruvain brings back from the field that Leah takes and trades those to Rachel, 
in order to have Yaakov that night. Rashi in Chumash says they are Siglei, and he translated as Jasmine. So he combines what we have here under Samalek and Siglei, and says that in the Chumash, the Siglei is the same as the definition he's giving here for Samalek. So that's something that does Tzorch Iyun on Rashi's explanation of what the Dudaim are. Anyone who smells the aroma, fragrance of the etrog, the citron, or kavusha, or actually calls them kondanais, which is translated as a quince, Omer, Baruch Shnatan Reach Toba Perot. Blessed be the one who caused there to be fragrances that are emitted or are produced by the fruit. Amar of Yehuda, hi, man, Nisan, someone who goes out in the springtime, and he sees trees that are blossoming, Omer, he says the brocha, which we know as birkata ilanot. This birkata ilanot is said in the springtime when the trees blossom. It says, Baruch Shlochi Ser Ba'olomo Klom. Blessed be Hashem who has nothing missing from his world. Ubarabo Briotovot. And he created great creations or creatures. Vilanotovot. And wonderful trees. Lehit Naot Behen Bene Adam. In order for mankind to enjoy them. So those blossoms which are beautiful in the beginning of the springtime. When you go outside, you have to give Shevach Hashem. You have to say something to acknowledge that this came from Hashem and to thank him for it. Amarav Zutra Bartuvi Amarav. Minayin Shemarachim Alerach. How do you know that we make a bracha on fragrances at all? Gemara takes that as a given, but how do we know that? The Mishnah takes it as a given. How do we know that? Shinamar kol nishama ta'elka. The nishama will give or sing out praise to Hashem. What is an item in the physical world which which the nishama gets benefit or enjoys? But it has no physical properties to make the body feel it. That is smell. And then so therefore, In the future, the young lads of B'nai Israel will give off a wonderful aroma, smell, fragrance, perfume like that of Lebanon. Shinamar. Its branches had spread out. And its beauty was like that of the olive tree. And the fragrance that was emitted from him is like that of Lebanon. Gemara is playing on the word Yom Kutav to me, the young ones. And the Masoda Shat adds in that these are Shlotam Utam Chait, that they don't have any sin associated with them. Those, Yochu Yom Kutav, those extensions of Hashem will have these properties of being. Kizayit hodo, like the beauty, the glory of the olive tree, and have the fragrance of the Lebanon. Rav Zutra Bar Tuvia Amarav, my dichtiv et kol Everything Hashem created, and it's good in its time. Lameich kol echad v'echad yafelo akash baruch hu minato b'fanav. Whatever profession a person is engaged in, that's what Hashem wanted for that individual. That Hashem enjoys or approves of the professions of each individual. Hashem's world needs to work, and we need people in different professions, and therefore Hashem is happy with each person who fills in the professions that need to be had. This is what people say, You can hang out a kora we saw before is leva dekel, it's heart of palm. You can lay it out, even though the pig is going to come in, and he'll take it back to his pen and roll in the mud with it. Why? Because that's his job, that's his nature, and that's what Hashem wants him to do with it. When you carry a torch at night, it's equivalent to having two people walking. And when the moon's out, it's like three people walking. The two are including him. Or maybe it is the equivalent of having two besides him. 
That the moon is equivalent to having three people there. If you're talking about him, including him, it's three people, that makes sense. If we're not including him in the number, since when is four a relevant number when it talks about going out at night? When it comes to Shadim or Mazikim at night, if he walks alone, they appear to him and they can do damage to him. Two people, they appear but they don't damage them. He doesn't even show up for the party. Must be that when we say two, it means two with him. Clear that three is the highest threshold by which we have something said. And therefore, when it says here that avuka is equivalent to two, it means two, including the individual carrying the avuka. Better for a person to throw themselves or have themselves be thrown into a burning pyre. In order to not embarrass your friend in public. Where we know this from? Tamar. By Tamar it says, She was being taken out in order to be burned at the stake. And she doesn't say, Oh, it's not me, it was all Yehuda. She sends over the simanim that she has to Yehuda to see if he'll admit to his wrongdoing and rectify the situation. So rather than embarrassing Yehuda in public, she was willing to have herself be burnt at the stake. This isn't really the place to have the discussion. I'll just point out to you, that this, according to some of the Rishonim, is included under Yehareg v'al Yavor. There's certain mitzvot where there is a demand that one give up their life rather than violate the mitzvah. And that's basically what's being laid out here in the Gemara, that one has to give up their life rather than embarrass the individual. Rishonim have different takes on this. Some saying that it really is Yehareg v'al Yavor. Others saying that it has a different categorization but the Gemara is using this for the effect or the emphasis on how important this mitzvah is. They brought in front of him the oil at the end of the meal, as well as the adas, the myrtle. First you make a brach on the oil, and afterwards the myrtle. The opposite. First you make the brach on the myrtle, and afterwards you make a brach on the oil. I will make a decision here. Shemen Shemen has both properties of good smell, as well as it's used to anoint an individual. Adas, when it comes to myrtle, there's only one usage for it. That's the reicho. And therefore, Shemen should get precedence over here. Rabbi Yochan says the loch is like Rabbi Gamliel, in this instance, this is exactly this case. They got an oil and myrtle. He went ahead and grabbed the myrtle and he made a brach on it first. Then he made the brach on the shemen. You don't subscribe to that position, Rabbi Yochanan. It says, Allah is like Rabbi Gamliel, the machria here. Amalei, hochi amarova, halocha kebeitilal. Rava said that the halocha is like beitilal. The next line of the Gemara is extremely controversial, and there are questions of whether it should be in the girsa. Velohi, that is not the case. He did this to get out of a bind. He didn't remember the halocha. He had made it made a mistake. In order to get out of that problem, he said that he had a memra from Rava, his Rebbe, even though it was not true. For that reason, many leave out this Girsa, the Rif, and others because, so as Tazawa points out, Kaka Tubas Farim Shalano, that's what's in our Gemara, is with Perish Rashi. And that's how Rashi explained the Gemara, El Arab Papa Ixif Lefisha Ta'az, Rashi says, Rav Papa was embarrassed, he made a mistake, Vishmi, that's Mobakach. 
And he got himself out of that bind by saying he had a member from Rovo that wasn't true. Avala Ravalfus, the Rift Paskins like Rovo. Mashmashloya Gorei Spisifro Belohi. Sounds like he left out the Belohi in his Girsa. So you see here, there's a Machloket in the Girsa of the Gemara. So what really transpired? The Ramami Pano says that Rabbapa Misvarad and Afshay Palagar Biochan. Rabbapa came up with an argument against Rabbi Yochanan, but he didn't want to take credit for it, and therefore he said it was his Rebbe Robo who said it. Not that it's not true, it is true, but he didn't use it as a ploy to get out of his problem, but rather he said over Aloha that he was thinking, he said it over in the name of his Rebbe. So you have three opinions here as to what transpired. One is that Robo was in a bind, and he basically makes up a memra from his Rebbe in order to protect himself from being embarrassed that he had practiced the halacha incorrectly. Others who say that it was really true that Rovah had said such a thing, and they leave out the words Velohi, and they pass the halacha like Rovah. And the last one is, it wasn't really true, because Rovah never said it, but Rapapa had a svorah to say it. He assigned that to his Rebbe in order not to take credit for it. Turn around on. If you leave them, Shem and Yai, and they brought before them, Shemin and wine. Put the oil in your right hand, which means it's giving chashivut. Put the yain bismalol, the wine in the left hand. You make the brach on the shemin first. And then on the wine. Hold the wine in your right hand. Put the shemin bismalol. In his left hand, you put the shemin. First you make the brach on the wine. Then you make the brach for the smell, or the fragrant smell of the shemin. Tacho berosh ashamash. And then when they finished with that shemen, they used to wipe it off on the hair of the shamash on his head, so that he would smell nice and be aromatic. Vim shamash If the shamash is a tamachacham, tochu bekotel. Wipe off your hands on the wall. It's an embarrassment. It's unacceptable. It's a denigration for a tamachacham to go out into the shuk when he is perfumed. There are six things that are inappropriate, a denigration of the status of a Tamar Chacham. One is, Al Yitzhi Kishuhu Mibusam. Our case over here, Lashuk, he shouldn't go out into the public domain when he has perfume on. Al Yitzhi Yechidi Balailo, shouldn't go out alone at night. Tulaim, he shouldn't go out with shoes that have, or sandals that have holes in them that were patched up. Al Yitzhi Yechidi Shuk, he shouldn't speak to any woman in the public domain. And you shouldn't join or be together with a group of Amayaretz. You should not be the last one into shouldn't take running steps or long steps on Shabbat. You shouldn't walk around with a haughtiness or an uprightness to himself. Okay, now the Gemara is going to go back and explain each one of the lines in the Brayta. You shouldn't go out when he has this aromatic smell emanating from him. Place where there are problems with homosexuality. And this is one of the ways that they attracted a partner. That's only true if the perfume is on his clothing. But on his body, it is deodorant. He tried to cover up or remove the smell. So therefore, it's permissible. It's only when it's in his clothing that it is problematic. His hair is like his clothing. Some say it's like his goof. 
And that would obviously have enough community whether you already have a perfume in one's hair. But you'd say, we shouldn't go out alone at night. Because people suspect he's going to some form of rendezvous. That's only true when he doesn't have a fixed time where he goes at night to learn. If he has a fixed meeting or time to go, then people know that he's going to the place that he always goes, to the appointment that he's going to, not that he's trying to be involved in some promiscuous inappropriate behavior. Persons can go out with shoes that are patched. This helps support the position of that it's inappropriate for a Tamar Chacham they should go out with patched shoes. Is that really true? He himself went out with patched shoes. That's only when it's a patch on top of a patch. That's only true when it's on the shoe itself or that goes on the foot or on the leg. But if it's on the sole where people won't see it, there's no problem. It's only true when you're outside the house. But if he's inside the house, we don't worry about it. It's only true during the summertime, during the dry season where your shoes are very visible. In the rainy season where they get all muddy and caked, nobody will know whether there's a tzlai on it, whether there's a patch on it. Late then, but there's no problem. You shouldn't converse with a woman in the shuk. Even if it's his wife. You have a bright that supports this. It's his wife or his daughter. It's his sister. Not anybody knows who his relatives are. And therefore they'll come to suspect him about conversing with a woman in the shuk. shouldn't join in with a group of Amearets. My time up. What's the reason? Don't add to them shukhe betrayal because they'll be drawn after their conversation, their behavior. They'll call him a poshea, other girsot or atzel, that he'll be the lazy one, omit atzel, because a poshea, because he was lazy. And some say that he shouldn't run. Every time a person runs, it takes out one five five hundred of lighting of their eye, of their, their vision. It dims a person's vision. How do you rectify it? When he drinks the Kiddush on Friday night, that helps. He shouldn't walk around with an upright back, haughty manner. Anybody walks around in that manner? Even for four amot, it's as if he's bumping into the feet of a Kharish Barucho or Shinemar or Dikhtim because it says, Malokal Arts Kibodal. His presence fails the entire world. And we also know that it says, the Olam is Hadom Raglai. It's the resting of the footstool of my feet. If you stand up too tall, you can knock a Kosh Baruch Hu's feet. It's obviously a sign of overreaching or overextending one's boundaries where they think that they are on the same level as a Kosh Baruch Hu. Okay, we'll stop over here.